we have stepped into the whatever century we're in, and uh, we have CDs now of uh, our sermons, my sermons, I guess. Uh, if you're interested in that, I think they're $3. There's a little form out there that you can fill out. And, and when you get done with them, you can put them on them launchers and use them for skeet. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, just all kinds of advantages that, and that you can have in this fellowship. Let's read God's Word and ask Him to teach us. Beginning at verse 14 through 21, let us read the Word of God. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I shall find out. Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words But in power, what do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Father, I ask now that you would teach us, that, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts, that we may understand this principle and we may understand this amazing truth. And, Father, I ask that they hear not I, but they hear only you. And that, Father, that your word would strengthen that, Father, those who may be in bondage this day, your word would set free. And, Father, those who are walking worthy, Lord, that they would only and solely be encouraged and rejoiced. We praise you and thank you for this time. To the glory of our King, in Christ's name, amen. Okay, heart of a spiritual father. This is the um, fourth message that we have in this text right now. And, and what I want you to look at is, is why did Paul write this letter? Uh, up to this point, we know that this letter is kind of, a, kind of a bummer. If you were a member of the first church in Corinth and you had gotten through the first four chapters, you'd be saying, I think Paul's mad. Uh, and you would be right because there was division, there was bickering in the church in Corinth, but there was also uh, what you could call personality cults. That's what I call them, are sex. People who said, well, I prefer this man's teaching or this man's style of teaching. I like this teacher. Uh, Some said they were of Paul. Some said they were of Apollos. Some were saying that they are of Cephas. And and what happens is uh, they weren't of the same mind. They weren't of the same focus. And that is why the Apostle Paul is dealing with this church. These first four chapters are the foundation for the interpretation of this book. This book has much, much controversy in it. But if you understand the first four chapters, there are no controversies. And part of understanding this is understanding the heart of a spiritual father. We looked in uh, Acts chapter 18. Paul founded this church. He literally brought it forth. This was a non-existent entity. And yet when he showed up in Corinth through the preaching of the gospel, he gave birth to this church. Yes, I am very much aware that it is God's church. Christ died for it and God does the work. But he has human vessels. He has human instruments that actually are there as his ambassadors of the kingdom of uh, of heaven. And those ambassadors, um, believe it or not, are you and I. Every single one of you. It is not the gift of evangelism that does this. He told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, which implies that he didn't have the gift, but he was still to what? Evangelize. Why? Well, let's be realistic about it, brothers and sisters. Why are we still here? I mean, if I can worship, can I worship better in heaven or here? 
All right? If uh, I can have fellowship, can I have better fellowship here or in heaven? If you go through the list of what we have in Christ, I can do all of it better in heaven except for one thing. Reach the lost. There's no lost in heaven. So, if I'm going to reach the lost, it is down here. Part of the reaching of the lost, if you go to John's Gospel 17, you will see that the unity that is formed in the children of God, that unity looks as the same unity as the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is only done one way. That is through the sanctifying work of the truth. And thy word is truth. And it says in that prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ that when they are sanctified in your truth and the unity that is seen in you and I, Father, then the world will know that I have sent them. All right? Because that shouts louder to lost people than anything. Why? Unity. What kind of unity? The same unity that exists in the Trinity. That's a, that's a pretty unified group of guys, too, if you really want to think about it. All right? But I want to give you another turn on this because I'm looking at the heart of the spiritual father, and I've got six points there. We're going to look at point four, but I want to show you what it means to bring forth will warn and will love. All right? And I'm going to give you one text that covers them all. All right? comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning at verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you understand that? Jesus is telling you and I, as he told his disciples who were gathered there, how much authority is his. Okay, now where is that authority at? Everywhere. Everywhere. Do you believe that? We all believe that? Well, now, are you sure? Okay, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. In light of that authority, in the fact that I have authority in all of existence, go, that's what he says, go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations. The word is ethos. We get ethnic from it. All peoples. Go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the the end of the age. What is your purpose? Go, and it literally in the text, the Greek text, as you are going, make disciples of all ethnic groups. How do I make disciples? First, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. At the point of baptizing, I begin to what? Teach them all the things that I, uh, the, the, and to observe that I have commanded you. And in case you get nervous about it, I am with you always because I have all authority over all of existence. Right? Does it say evangelists go and make disciples? Who is to make disciples? Christians make disciples. And part of that is you bring forth. Part of that is, if there's not a person in this room, if you are saved this day, you have a spiritual father. Did you know that? Somebody in Christ who was used as the tool to draw you into the kingdom of the holies. Every single one of you in here does. Now, some of you are adopted. Okay, the, maybe the person who has uh, drew you to Christ or was that vehicle, that tool that God used, uh, perhaps has, maybe has gone on. The race was over and they are in glory. Or perhaps you have moved or something to that effect. But now you are under our teaching, even if it is just for this Lord's Day. And so even in this time that I have, I as a spiritual father to some am setting a path that says, I will teach the things that Christ has taught me. Okay? So you will bring forth, if you are a living creature, which you are in Christ, you have this uh, unquenchable urge to reproduce. You can't stop it. You want people to have what you have. Not only that, my passion is, I want you to have it abundantly. 
I want you to be obsessed with Jesus Christ. Secondly, a spiritual father will warn. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. All right? To uh, shame somebody is to point out their error. He says, I'm not doing this to do it publicly. All right? To shame somebody, you can shame them in a way. If you were, look at the word admonish, it means I am looking to change you in view of correction. I'm looking at the bigger picture here. I want you to proceed from this point of rebellion to this point of obedience, from this point of condemnation to this point of blessing. And he says, I do not wish to shame you. He concludes this thought with, should I come to you with a rod or should I come with gentleness and mercy? Right? And, and if you think about it as a parent, if you're a parent, I am a parent, there are times when I will tell my children, I need you to do this. All right? And normally the response is, well, I mean that. And then I can look at them in the eye and say, do you want me to make this worse? And it gets real quiet and usually things happen quickly. It's kind of cool. All right? But you don't do it to shame somebody. You do it to change somebody. All right? Because the word admonishment means that I have a relationship with you in such a way that I have the right to do it. I know you well enough to know that what you're doing is wrong. All right? See, we have a tendency in our society today to let me sit around and point out to you what you're doing wrong. You don't have that right unless you're walking with me. If you're walking with me as I am going making disciples... I have an intimate relationship with you in such a way that you can look at something that I am doing and say, I don't think that's right. But I also have the same opportunity to correct you too in view of a change to obedience to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is what it means to warn people. Why? Because, see, if you have a disobedience to the King, all right, in the body of Christ, which is the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ in our society today, if you are disobedient, that disobedient affects the whole body, and now that unity that the world will stand in all of, in all of, has been disrupted. And it looks like the United Nations. Okay? But then he says, the end of verse 14, because you are beloved. You are my beloved children. I shared an intensity with this. This is an amazing text because this love is that overwhelming, unconditional, consuming love that Paul had for these people. Now, let me explain something to you. You have to be involved in people's life to understand this love. It's impossible not to be involved in their life and not understand this life. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, not only that, I would gladly be expended and spent on your behalf. Why? Because he loved them. I am so involved with you, you mean so much to me that I am gladly willing to throw myself into complete exhaustion on your behalf without guard. And not only that, he made the statement in the 16th chapter, why is it that I am so open with you and you love me less? Because, see, if I am going to warn you, then my life will be an open book to you. My heart will be completely open to you. You know what they use, the, the uh, verbiage that they use in today's society? You will be vulnerable to them. I'm vulnerable. Okay? Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. And the only way you do that is with a relationship. And that relationship will be born out of love. And I'm not talking about phileo. I'm not talking about brotherly love. Oh, I love you. I'm talking about a love that says, I will lay my life down for you now and always with everything. I will set aside everything that is important to me for your sake. Look around, brothers and sisters. Ask yourself a question, will you? 
Can you? Can you look around and say for Amy, I will sacrifice my, my quiet time, my personal time. Can you do it for Al? Can you do it for Tom, for Ed, for me, for Karen, for Amanda? Because that's what it says. Because when you are that enmeshed, guess what? You can't have but unity. Why? I know you. I know your hearts. I know your stumbles. I know your trials. I know your tribulations. But fear not, brother. I am not here to shame you. I am here to help you bear that burden. In James it says, confess to one another your sins. And I laugh. I read that and say, yeah, uh uh-huh. What do I look like? I'm suicidal? Charles Spurgeon said, should I stumble, give me the barkeep, send the harlots. They have more mercy. That's true. But it's not right. Why? The saints should have more. Why? Because I know you well enough that I only want the very, very best for you. Why? That's that love. I like that. You are beloved. I dig that. John, he says, the beloved of Jesus Christ. I get these goofy letters from Kay Arthur. Okay? The last one wasn't much fun, but I have gotten some. She kind of got on me last letter. And she started, I knew I was in trouble because normally she says Terry or precept leader or something like this one. This last letter I got, it started out with beloved. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you ever had that? You ever had that meetings? Somebody comes and says, I need to meet with you. And they come into your office or wherever you're at and says, first and foremost, I want you to know that I love you. Okay? You're dead. Okay? Dig the hole six feet down because my loved one's about to kill me. Right? That's not God's way. God's way says you are beloved. You are beloved. Okay? So, the heart of a spiritual father or the heart of a spiritual parent, use that phrase, is you will bring forth. You want to. There's a desire to reach people. You will warn them. And you will love them. You will be consumed with love for these people. I like that idea. I I used to be very aggravated. God used to wake me up at really weird hours of the night with people on my heart. And and it used to be one of these when he would wake me up with this person on my mind. Has, Has anybody else ever experienced that? When you wake up and there's a person on your mind, um, you know, my used, I used to have this thing go through my head that all I have to do is pray for him and he got to let me go back to sleep. Okay. Well, the last few times he hasn't allowed that. And then I, I argue with him. I don't know whether you guys ever argue with God. I argue with God. You're up. You pray for him. Okay. I want to go back to bed. Uh, and uh, that doesn't work either. But uh, he wakes me with people and, and some people who are having problems and things like this. And, and, I, and I think about it and I lose sleep over it. And I, I'll be honest with you. Now, maybe you guys are more spiritual than I am. That used to just annoy the bejesus out of me. Um, that a person in their troubles was keeping me awake. That just ain't right. If they would just repent, I could get some sleep. And I don't know whether you guys felt that way, but that's just the way I felt about it. I just don't like this. All right? But then it started dawning on me, that it hurt my heart for these people. And and I could feel it in my body, in my soul, in my conscience for these people. And I could find myself in a a point of tears for these people, wishing that I could take the pain, the sorrow, and the heartache from some situations, but understanding that only God can do that. And it is till they are surrendered to His leading would that happen. Now, I share that with you because I want to move into verse 16. Because verse 16, he says, therefore. Okay, and therefore is because the spiritual father has brought forth. The therefore is because the spiritual father has warned. Therefore is because of the overwhelming, consuming love that the spiritual father has. And then he says, I exhort you to be imitators of me. Okay, understand that the Great Commission is to go and make disciples teaching and baptizing. All right, this is discipling. You cannot disciple people by teaching them. Did you know that? 
It's impossible. You can't disciple people. And everybody's got that frown on their face. They say, well, that's all you do. Is that all I do? Okay. Um, there are many people today that have a motivation that says, if I teach, then I will be glorifying God. And you have deceived yourself. You have deceived yourself. You must confront their lives to make disciples. Did you know that? You must confront their lives with the things that need to be happening in their lives as individuals to make disciples. Now, what's missing from teaching to do that? Think about it. You've got to be involved with them. You've got to be sacrificing your time and involving it in their time. Okay? You have to get alongside them and see what's going on. That's a pain, ain't it? Not only is it a pain from the perspective of the discipler, it's a pain for the disciplee. Is that such a thing? All right. Why? Because the spiritual father, because of this overwhelming love for these people, he will be an example. All right? Let me explain something to you right now. Every single person in here is an example. You don't get that option. Even those who go to the monastic life who think that I'm just going to go be in a monastery someplace, they're being an example. This, I believe, is the single most important process in discipling. Because nothing works without this. Doesn't work. It's impossible. Jesus had his disciples. How often were they together? Even at that, you know, that zero dark 30 time in the morning when you're up with one eye open trying to figure out where in the world is the coffee pot. All right? You're making disciples. Your disciples will watch that. They know that. They hear that. When do you make disciples? You know what the easier question is? When don't you? I can tell you when you don't. You're done when you're dead. Up until that time, you're making disciples. Henry Poyontek was in a nursing home at the VA hospital and was making disciples. At his deathbed, I was reading the Psalms to him, and he was making a disciple of me, and his son and his daughter-in-law were seeing the life of Christ being manifest in a man who was preparing to face his Creator face to face. He did not stop making disciples. A spiritual father sets a pattern for his children. That is discipling. Whatever you want them, those spiritual children to be is what you are. You got that? I don't care what you tell them to be. Whatever you are is what your spiritual children will be. If you don't believe me, look at a family that has children. Those children will look just like their parents. They will act like their parents. They will have the love and the interests of their parents. I've even seen some cases they walk like their parents. I've seen a sense of humor like mine in my son. Pray for him. (laughs) See, if you do not do this, they won't do it either. You teach, okay? We teach the Word of God, correct? We teach. There's no doubt if you spend a short time with me, you will see that I have this consuming passion for the Word of God, okay? I expound the Word of God, okay? That's what you... uh, Expository preaching, it explains the Word of God. In teaching and expounding the Word of God, I also exhort. You know what exhort means? It means as I am walking along... I think you guys would call it counseling, Okay? I am exhorting you. I am walking alongside of you and I am directing you in the path in which you should go. Okay? Why? I do that based on teaching. I do that on, based on expounding the Word. But if you're not living the truth, neither will the disciple. 
It's impossible. You can say, I believe this is the absolute truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your actions don't live that way. Why would your disciple believe it's the absolute word of God? Try it. Let me ask you something. Uh, I, I was thinking about Brandon. Brandon Ashley is learning words. Brandon, be warned. The first profane word that ever comes out of your mouth in front of Ashley will be the one she will master instantaneously. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Why does that happen? Your disciples will watch. Mom and dads, if you want to disciple your kids in your home, you better be real sure you are what you want them to be. Did you hear what I said? Listen to the words closely. If you wish to disciple your children in your home, you better be real sure you are what you want your children to be. Because that's what they're going to be. I don't care what you teach. I don't care what you pray. They will only live what they see in you. They will never become what you want them to be unless they can see it in you. Okay? Do your kids like television? Do you have your kids like to do this on the TV? Go look in a mirror. They learned that. If you have kids who have a sedimentary lifestyle, go look in the mirror. They learned that. If you have kids who are active and are out doing things all the time, go look in the mirror. They learned that. Okay? You did not set them down and take them through sedimentary 101 and sedimentary 102 or tel- television surfing 101 or television surfing 102. Mom, Dad, you just reproduce yourself all over again in your children. That's all it is. Okay, now I got a little note here in on my little notes, it says, that's scary. <laughs> okay, now I don't know about you, but I look at that and I say, that's scary. Whatever my passion is, my children's passion will be. Men, this is more for you than it is for the women. You are the spiritual leader of your home, period. That is not an option. It isn't, I get saved and become... No, you are setting the spiritual precedence in your family, men. Whatever you do, your children will mimic. And it doesn't matter, well, it's... no. Male or female, you are the spiritual leader in your family because God designed it that way, and I don't care what the psychiatrists say. God said this is the way it is. All right? You lead, your children will follow. You want to see your kids be disobedient to God, all you have to do is look in a mirror. They will follow the spiritual leader of their father. Whatever that... um, precedence that the father leaves, whatever is important to the father, the children will follow. It is also true of the parents. It is of the parents. Because I, and I share that with you because the toughest place to, to, to uh, disciple is at home. Is at home. See, I can go put on my disciple suit and go out amongst the disciples and disciple as I'm going, and it's a piece of cake. But see, um, you know, I got ready for it. I'm all prayed up, and I got my little text here. I know what I'm going to teach today, and I'm going to teach this today, and I'm all discipled up. But when I get home, I am seen without my discipling clothes on. Okay? It's when I'm half awake. How about this? What do your children see of their spiritual leader when the spiritual leader is tired? What do the spiritual children see when the spiritual parents are sick and feeling under the weather? Because guess what? You're still making disciples. If you can disciple someone in the home, then there is a genuineness in your faith. If you are not discipling in your home, question your faith. Okay? That's why it says that an elder should have godly children. 
Or in some cases, they should have godly donkeys. Why? It gives evidence of the truth of his ability to live the life. Doesn't it? Donkeys? You're making disciples. You're making disciples. I went up there one day when, I forget what Tom wasn't there. I, was, I think I was just robbing his house. And uh, I noticed that his, his, his donkeys were bent over in prayer. And I thought, that's wonderful. But then I noticed that one was eating this grain. I said, and they're not fasting. I'm making note of that. Because, see, in the home, um, in the home is where the evidence of this faith is truly shown. Okay? It's easy to say, say a prayer, it's time for the offering. It's easy to say, you know, it's time to pray for your food. Okay? And I see some families who do that and, and, and there's no, I don't, I'm not, I, that's fine, pray for your food. Uh, if I cook, pray real hard for your food. Okay? But the, the truth of the matter is an elder, a leader, a presbyteros, a bishop, an overseer of God's people must be able to set a pattern that brings glory to God. And if he can't do it in his home, you don't have to worry about whether he can do it in the flock. It's impossible. Uh, I have, we have a leadership class that goes on here. And one of my things that I watch for is their home. What is their home like? Not only that, those of them that have the workbook are going through, they will see that there is a text in there where they have to have people who know them well give an answer to their abilities. What is their prayer abilities like? And it starts off over here disqualified to uh, representative of Christ. Uh, How is their discipling mannerisms, their teaching abilities, their time in God's word, their mercy, their grace? How is the fruit of the Spirit manifested in their lives, disqualified or manifestation of Christ? Uh, Now, you guys have got them books are all going through thinking, what? Uh, And yeah, you got to have some cases you're going to have to have your wives sign it out. In Tom's case, I had his donkey sign it out. And it was very, very enlightening to what was going on in Tom's life. Okay. I believe that the greatest thing that, it, that is hurting the church in the United States is this. is the lack of discipling. I believe so. I believe that with all the fiber of my being. Uh, I uh, came to the Lord and, and when I uh, sought out a pastor to be baptized and, and I was baptized and I asked him what was I supposed to do next and he said read the Gospel of John and I said alright that's cool and, uh, and you know, I thought you know I can read the Gospel of John in one day. Uh, you know, I'm going to be like a spiritual giant. And then I said, not only that, I'm going to be a great big giant because I'm going to read it twice. Okay, and then what was I supposed to do after that? Now, at that time, I was in construction and the church needed painted, so I painted the church. Okay, but all they were looking for were converts. I tell you now, I want you to be followers of me. What do you think about that? That's what Paul says. I exhort you, be imitators of me. Mimics is the word we get there. Do you know what it means to be a Christian? You know what that word means, Christian? Little Christ. Little Christ. It was derogatory when it first showed up in Antioch. Little Christ. Annoying little Christ. Right? But ask yourself, what does discipling mean? Making little Christ. How do you do that? Be imitators of me. Why? How can you say that? That's blasphemous. Because Paul said, be imitators of me. The imitators of me. And I can say that because when I was asked to take this position, I was in my own personal study of a text to this day that weighs heavy on me, and I want to take you to it. I want you to go with me to the letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 4. I want you to imitate me. I'll set the pattern you follow. 
That's what it means to mimic. What I do, do those things. Okay? Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. This was the text that hit me like a greyhound bus when they asked me to take this position. The things you have learned and received and heard. That would be great if it ended there, wouldn't it? All I would need to do is meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night and say, you're learning, receiving, and hearing. What else does it say? And seen in me. What does it say do? Practice these things. What will happen if you do that? The God of peace will be with you. Man, that's discipling. What? Be an example. Some of you in this room, I am your spiritual father. Okay? And you know, and when I look at that text, I keep thinking of all the boneheaded things that I've done, the errors that I've made, the times that I've stumbled, the times I've fallen over Bible, the times that I've brought shame to my king. And I ask myself, would I have my disciples practice these things? You know what I say? Yes. Yes. That's difficult. Why? I haven't arrived. Paul tells you in this text, I haven't arrived. He says, but I know where I'm going. Follow me. Okay? And I'll tell you, I, don't, I haven't arrived. There's times all I know for sure is heaven is up. But I know where I'm going. Practice these things. Why? The God of peace will be with you. Look at chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. So see, you don't know that I would stay up at night with some of your problems unless I what? Told you. Or unless you were involved with me in such a way that you knew the burden that I carried. Same thing with the Apostle Paul writing in this text. Do you not understand the burden that I carry? Do you not understand that my love for you is in such a, uh, a, a, such a way that I bear you in my soul? He says, be followers of me as I am of Christ. I'm following Christ. You watch my life and make it yours. That's discipling. That is the heart of a spiritual father. That's why when I say you can warn and you can love, you can teach and you can discipline. But what example do you show? Because the example is that that will speak way louder than any homiletic distinctive. You like that? I don't even know what that means, but I read it in a, in a Spirit Zodiati said it. This is a homiletic distinctive. And I thought, cool. Alright? That's what he said it was, so I'm thinking it's probably close. I look at it and say, this is exciting. I look at this man and it just fires me up. It gives me High-octane gasoline, nitromethane. Because you know what? Discipling isn't teaching principles. It's not applying principles. It is living principles. It is principles of theology that are your life's force. (laughs) Come follow me. Why? I'm following Christ. When? Every moment of my existence. I am going to live it in front of all people. 
That's discipling. Now, I'll tell you this. I got a little star here. It's got a pink star. And when you get a pink star on my notes, pay close attention. And it says, warning. Your consistent life will rebuke others without you rebuking anyone. He told Timothy, walk in his righteousness and you will be persecuted. People don't like it. Why? Well, who liked Jesus when he said, yo, brood of vipers? Okay. Now, I want to take you back to the text because I'm, I'm setting this up. This is so, so cool. This is just phenomenal. Now, do you understand where we're at in the, the principles of the Apostle Paul? Okay. Thessalonians has been written. You understand that, right? First and second Thessalonians has been written. The Galatian letters have been written. Okay. Romans has been written. Nothing else has been written. New Testament. That's where we're at in his ministry. He's in Ephesus writing this text. Okay, he's in Ephesus in this text. All right, you understand that? I I, I want you to understand where we're at in Paul's chronology of his life and his ministry. Okay? Because I want to show you something that I wrote my favorite word down here. This is phantasmagorical. Okay? That's a made-up word. But it's a good one. Because verse 17, he says, For this reason. What reason? I exhort you to be imitators of me. For that reason. For that cause. Because of the idea of this example that I want you to be followers of me. Got that? I sent you Timothy. What? I want you to act like me. I want you to walk like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to have the mind like me. So I'm sending you Timothy. Now, when I first read that, I thought, what's wrong with that picture? I want you to be just like me, so I'm sending somebody else. Well, that sounds stupid. I'm away, I thought about this, if I'm away, if I'm gone for an extended period of time, and I want someone to be an imitator of me, it is a whole bunch easier to go to that person and be with them, isn't it? If you want them to be and act and, and, and have a life that looks like yours, and yet, Paul didn't say that. Don't you find that fascinating? No, I find it phantasmagorical. Timothy has been with Paul for less than three years. Paul says, I want you to be followers of me, so I'm sending Timothy. This is the illustration of the absolute ultimate in spiritual father. Grab it. I'm not talking about this thing that you can say in this amount of time this is going to happen or this amount of time he's saying I am going to send you a facsimile I am going to send you a mimic I am going to send you an imitator Paul had done such a job in raising Timothy that by sending Timothy was just like Paul being there That's cool. He had so raised Timothy to be a spiritual son that Timothy could literally stand in his place. That's discipling. That's discipling. Grab that, chew that, meditate on Now, meditate doesn't mean sleep, but... Dwell on that. Banter that around in your brain because I already shared you the text out of Matthew 28 that says, Go and do what? Make disciples of all peoples. Paul has said, We should be bringing forth fruit, children. In bringing forth our children, we will warn them, we will admonish them, and it will all be done with a heart of love, and it will be done in such a way they will be an exact replication of us. 
That's what is meant by raising spiritual children. Hear this. You must hear this if you don't hear anything else out of this whole text because in light of all of the quote-unquote evangelism that stuff that is out there today, how many can do this? How many can say, I can't be there, but I am sending this person in my place and it is exact replication of myself? That's amazing. I dig it. When you don't have to go and you can send one of your spiritual children in the faith in your place, and you know they follow, if they follow that person, they'll be following you who is following Christ. Did you get that? I have sent you my, I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Okay, now let me give you an idea of what you just looked at. That right there is what all, now hear me well, you really got to hear this. That verse right there, just that little fragment of that verse right there. Let me read that one more time to you. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And you can add the little phrase there. And he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ. Okay? That right there is what is truly ministry. Did you hear me? Anything less than that, you have compromised what ministry is. Did you hear that? Because what are we talking about? What's the whole text talking about? Paul's saying, this is my... Ministry. What is the ministry that the child of God is called to? 28.20. Matthew. That is the ministry. It says that the body of Christ is designed for what? Equipping the saints for what? Grab it. For the work of ministry, of service, which is what? Making Clones. Making clones. Making little Christ. That's ministry. Anything short of that, what? You've perverted ministry. It's just crooked, that's all. Think about it. Ponder it. What are we here for? Why, are this, why is the body of Christ still in existence? We, we, equip the, we equip the saints for the work of what? Making more saints. <laughs> Why? You just keep making more saints. More saints and more saints. And, you know, it's like that quote I read to you. The church should be a maternity of new Christians. The maternity ward of God. We are just birthing more and then we're taking them. We are warning them. We have begot them. We are warning them. We are oh so overwhelmed with our love for them that we're teaching them and walking and we are showing them how to pattern their lives. Follow me exactly because all I'm doing is following Christ exactly. That's ministry. That's the heart of a spiritual father. He will be an example. You want to know why the church is such chaotic state in America today? Men, it's your fault. It's our fault. We are the spiritual leaders of the family, and we have negated our responsibility. We've given it to our wives. We've given it to our wives as an incidental thing in life, and it really takes up too much of my time. Let me tell you something. You have no idea how much time it consumes. It is overwhelming. It will steal your time. It will deprive you of your time. It will deprive you of all the things you think you've ever wanted to do in life, and yet the rewards are only eternal. That's all. 
Why? Because I'm replicating myself and all I am doing is replicating Christ. What greater responsibility is there, men? What can you accomplish in life that can outdo that challenge? What reward in life can be given to you that can dwarf the fact that God would look at you and say, Well done, true and faithful servant. I replicated you, my Father, to all that you grace me with. That is the ultimate in raising spiritual children, is to be able to say, in my place, I am sending my beloved son or my beloved daughter in the Lord in my place. And she will be exactly as if I am there, as if Christ is there. Because I want you to be followers of me, I am sending someone else that I have raised so you may see the duplicate process. He's saying this is the command, this is the illustration. If you are a Christian, you are a follower of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is it seen? Can you look in your life and people can say that I know that that person right there, by their action in the, the, the fast counter or the, what do they call it, the quick line at the grocery store, I can tell by their action that they're a child of God. I can tell by the way they drive they're a child of God. I can tell by the way they interact with other people, believers and lost, that they are children of God. I can tell by the way that they walk that they're a child of God. That's a tough question, isn't it? Is my Christianity seen? If you're an imitator of Christ, it is seen. Now then, I have another tough question. Is my Christianity seen? My next question is this. Do you have anybody like Timothy was to Paul? And there's a dandy, isn't it? And they're kind of get you. Oh, I guess appendicitis. Huh, that's what I did. Ooh. Appendicitis. Then I had a conversation with my son last night on up at school in, in, in Billings, and what I was hearing out of his mouth, he sounded like his father, and I thought, oh, gee. <laughs> I have one that's like Timothy, but I'm not sure he's like Christ. <laughs> okay. Up there starting fires, are you? <laughs> yeah, sound like you, your daddy. Okay, do you have anybody like that? Do you have anybody that someone could ask you for a spiritual question? And you can say, you know what, I don't have time to expound this, but I'm going to send this person in my place, and they will give you as I would give you. I thought about this because it was like, when I can't go, I can send a fax. Right? Everybody's got the facts thing. That's what everybody asks. You got a fax? I said, a fax? I know all kinds of facts. What kind of facts you want? <laughs> you know, there is gravity. The North Pole is north and the South Pole is colder. Um, you know, what kind of facts? Okay, but here's the thing that I want us to grab a hold of this, especially us. Because, see, it's easy for me to say, you know, I have this person who I've invested in tremendously. And in investing in this person, I can send them in my place. But here's something that we need to know. Do you know that person's life well enough that you know you could send them in your place? You know the content of their living. Do you know that? Now you see why I give the illustration of parents and their children. The children in the home know the content of the living. But you also have to have that with your spiritual children. Someone you know who is so committed to Jesus Christ that it's just as if you were there. And that is how it should be. Do you know people that way? Because see, you know what? If you have the love that Paul had for the people, then you know these people that well. You know, and I was thinking about this, and I'll be honest with you, when I first started looking at this, I was just very, very, very convicted 
in my own life, and then and you know, and I was begging God for forgiveness, and He gently and well, He didn't gently. He smacked me real hard and said, "Let me tell you something, knothead. You have sent out people." And you do know the ones you have sent out well enough that you know they are walking as you walk. And he gave me a whole list of people that I have been involved with in my life that sure enough, when I thought about it, they were right. And I took great joy over that. I want, Paul is saying, I want you to follow me, so I'm going to send Timothy because he's my beloved son. See, we should be able to say, I want you to follow me. Why? For I am following Christ. And I also want to be able to use you that I may send you as a beloved child in my place. That fires me up. Think about it. Can you grab that? I love that. That principle. That's a, that's a, that's a God thing principle. Why? Well, when we think about what we do, we do some training maybe in our workplaces or things like this. But you think about this. How many positions in your life and in your, in your, in your, say in your business world can you do that you have somebody that you can say can take my place, can step into my stead? But think about this. On the eternal plane, okay, on the eternal plane, this person, though different from me, is the same spiritually because... I am a follower of Christ. That person found faithful to me, followed me, and they are a follower of Christ. Now replicate it. Okay? I take one person and I invest in that one person. Okay? I don't care how long. Actually, you never really stop investing in people. But I invest in this soul for this time frame. All right, that person at some point is big enough to stand up and begin doing what? Investing in others. It's sort of like your children at home. They get a little more independent. All right, once they've gotten a little more independent, what do you immediately do? Because you're a child of God, you're a living creature, you want to replicate, you're going to do what? You're going to find another one. Now you have this one here that you started replicating in. Now they're starting to replicate. Now you've got another one that you are investing in. Now that one is replicating. And now when they can stand, you reach over here and you grab another one and you start replicating in that one. That one starts replicating. Now that one individual who is walking at Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Scripture has now invested invested in three, who has invested in six, who has invested in 12, who has invested in 24, who has invested in 48, and go on and go on and go on, and you turn the world upside down. I like that. That's why I'm fired up about the Antioch Initiative. Why? They're going to find people who are just like me. And I can invest in them, and they can invest in others, who they can invest in others, can invest in others, and reaching 11 time zones is a piece of cake, with or without radio. But you know what really fires me up? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34 people investing in Christ, investing in other people. How quickly does that turn? Hmm? I dig it. I dig it. Now, the thing you have to do is you've got to be able to turn around and look at that person that God has given you and say, what I want more. And then God's going to smack you right on top of the head and you'll say, thank you for the one. All right? And then you think I'm kidding. Look there. I have scars where he smacked me on top of the head for belly aching. Uh, And you're going to invest in that one. You're going to turn around and you're going to look to the king and say, Lord, I need every ounce of strength that you can give me right now because I tell you what, Lord, what you're calling me to do is to replicate you. Absolutely no way I can do that. And then you will become a person of what? Prayer. Why? Prayer only shows what? 
dependence. I can't do this. And God says, I know. That's why I've given you the Word. That's why I've poured my Spirit into your heart. That's why I've given you the Bride of Christ so that you'll be equipped for ministry, right? I've been equipped for ministry. What was What is ministry? For this reason, I send you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. Ministry is being able to send somebody who will be the same as you. Okay? Same as you. Are you willing to do that? Christ was living through Paul. Paul had been used of God to reproduce that same kind of life in Timothy. You see my ways which are in Christ? You will see my ways which are in Christ in my disciple, Timothy. When Timothy gets there, you'll know how I live and how I walk in Christ, and you will know how to be a follower of me. Why? Because Timothy is doing the same thing I'm doing. Paul's conduct was Christ-like, and he was the instrument by which God had made Timothy equally Christ-like. That's the heart of a spiritual father. A spiritual father will bring forth. A spiritual father will warn. A spiritual father will love. And a spiritual father will be an example. That is discipleship. That is my passion. That is my desire. And it all started many, many years ago. Actually, uh, 11 years ago. 11 years ago, uh, before Pastor Al left this church, I stumbled into uh, Philippians 4.9. And it says, the things you have learned, things you have received, things you have heard, things you have seen, do these things. And the peace of God will be with you. That is my goal. That is the the passion of my soul, is that I want people to receive, to hear, to learn, and to see in me those things. Why? Because then they will have the peace of God, and it will be with them. And people will be attracted to people who have the peace of God. And then they will teach, learn, and be seen. And that's discipling. Let's pray. Father, this is not by anything we can do. And yet, Father, this is your hand moving among your people. Father, may it be the heart of everyone here this day that, Father, that Philippians 4 text, 4 9, Father, would be that thing that I set my standard, that we set our standard by. That, Lord, the lives that we live, we live unto Christ. It is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. Father, bring us laborers, for the harvest is plentiful. But, Father, give us hearts like the Apostle Paul. But, Father, also give us hearts like his beloved son, Timothy. And, Father, may your love in us be that overwhelming passion that we are willing to pour ourselves out, to be spent, to be expended on behalf of your people. Father, this is ministry. And Father, let us be busy about equipping the saints for this massive and mighty work. In Christ's name, amen.